Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Pockets Full of Soup. I'm here with a special guest tonight, the pride of Long Island, hero of the people, lord of life, Colin Moriarty. It's me. Thank you, Jared. It's good to be here with you. I'm sorry that it took us so long to sort all this out. But sort, uh, sort what out? Get oh, the, this, get the, the scheduling, as I want to The scheduling? Yeah. No, no. This worked out pretty well, actually. We've had we've had some wonderful guests at this point Great. already. More wonderful guests coming. You can see those in future episodes. But uh, no, uh, Colin, I wanted to have you on here. You are, I, I don't think our audience necessarily knows the story but you are instrumental in this podcast even existing you that's very kind i don't know that that's necessarily true but heavily true. encouraged me to do this uh, yeah well i thought you could do it and i thought that you could be successful at it and we're proud you know i can speak for me and everyone at kind of funny where i'm like we're incredibly pr- we take a lot of pride in your success and very happy for it because we feel like you deserve it yeah. so well it's very sweet of you um it, it also the fact that the uh, kind of funny uh, decided to to make sure people knew about this, which I really appreciate. Yeah, we wanted to, we wanted to make that happen. I remember, I still remember uh, us having a very long talk about it after uh, Independence Day too. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, we, we had to do something something uh, heartwarming to recover from yeah. from Independence Day too. Yeah, so I remember us. You know, we we went with our ladies and uh, we had some uh, food and drinks afterwards. And I remember yeah. talking to you about it, and and I I wanted to encourage you to do it because I know it's scary to make that leap and put yourself out there, but I knew. You have a, you have a certain something about you, a je ne sais quoi. Oh, no, I, you're doing it again. I'm going to read it. Where, where uh, I just feel yeah. like people, you resonate with people, not only with games, but I just think people like you. You know, like I, I just think when you think about a podcast you want to listen to, it's like kind of hosted by someone like you. So I just felt like it was going to be, it was going to be obviously successful. And so we wanted to help, you know. Well, thank you for helping that. make it happen. Thank you for helping make it uh, a success. You're very uh, welcome. To, and thank you, uh, everybody watching and listening for making it a success because without you, this is nothing. Thank you so very much for allowing me to, to realize this, uh, uh, this little corner of my, of my dreams. I, I really appreciate it. It means a lot. And speaking of people who have certain, something about them colin moriarty professional host writer media creator personality extraordinaire um author distinguished gentleman philosopher and thinker yeah philosopher armchair and thinker, thinker. exactly yeah. um colin I, I i we've known each other a long time i beat yes. you once at chess and it was one of the best days of my life i never beat you again you did well it was a you you did you did get me where it, when it counted, so that one time. Well, I mean, that's a good. Day. I remember that day. That's a good day. Yeah, it was a great day. Yeah. A was a great day. I, I don't. You got to lose to win. You know, like, <laughs> you not everyone. Not everyone can there. always. Not everyone can win all the time. You came back with a vengeance uh, afterward. <laughs> You're a good chess player. You know, it's chess is one of those games. I've talked about it before. Where everyone knows how to play chess, but like. It's not very common for like a person that really plays it to meet someone like you that can play. I don't think so, I'm all that good, honestly. Well, yeah. I mean, it's way different. Like someone that knows how to move the pieces and yeah. then moves their pawn in front of their rook and then moves their rook out in the first two moves. It's like, all right, you don't know how to play chess, you uh-huh. know? Like, like, and you can identify those kinds of people. So, I always try to go in easy, and then I'm not making excuses because you beat me fair and square. But I always try to like start in a normal, conventional, like a Sicilian defense or something where it's like, yeah. where, you know. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know who... Like, chess is a game where you, like, have to play out for 10 moves before you really know if the person knows how to play or not. What's happening, right? Yeah. yeah. And that was kind of a classic control-of-the-board game. I, we were playing for the center, both of yep. us. Uh, uh, but I... Wow. If you're not into chess, I hope you're still with us. <laughs> but um, it was a fun game. But actually, it, what I remember is you got flustered. Something unexpected happened, and you got flustered, and it was kind of like you never really recovered your poise. Yeah, yeah. It's... I, it's it will. When you're down material in chess, you're you're mathematically almost certainly going to lose. So it's it's unless you're playing like I've been reading about 19th century and 18th century chess recently Ooh. for some reason where they were talking about how the game was more about gambits and stuff like that and like it wasn't about winning it was about how you won. Ooh. And so there was there's this game called what the fuck was it called the the timeless game or something I was reading about and I was actually like watching the recreation of it move by move where this guy just kept throwing pieces away and uh was down like an incredible amount of material but ended up winning because it was like a very fashionable way for him to win wow. as opposed for and that was what it was all about was like the flair of how you won it wasn't until like after the civil war era where people started to actually play with actual real strategy like preserving material and so and it's, like, it's, it's like winning a Street Fighter tournament playing playing Sakura or, or, or Dan or something like that. Like Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Show, okay, that's, exactly that's, that's exactly right. So a guy will, <laughs> w- with flair, throw away his bishops because it makes it, it's, it'll it make the victory more interesting. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really interesting to read. Wow. But, okay. Yeah. I, and every other time after we played, I I, th- I could just see the laser focus. <laughs> crushed me. Just crushed me. Chess is a game of echelons, man. Like, 
like there are people that I've played that I've never beaten. And there, I often talk about it. There was this guy I used to play in high school um, that I, he was a great player on Long Island. He was like a really great player. And I, I was, I was decent. And we used to play at lunch and after school and I, I never beat him. I probably played him. I, I probably played him literally 50 standard matches and, and probably a few games of blitz too. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm not great at blitz, but we, we tried that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, I, I met up with him out here maybe five years ago, and I beat him over and over again. Oh! And I was like, I can't believe, like, how did this happen? And I knew that it wasn't necessarily me. It was him atrophying, you know, like, he as a player. A yeah. yeah, and I was yeah. like, so it's a game of degrees, you know? I'll it's, give it that. Yeah, I love it, though. Chess I, is the no, best chess. game. Chess is better than any video game. I want to just put that on the record again. If, if you don't play chess, uh, try. Um, and try with somebody that's a patient and interesting teacher. Uh, it's a game that all the, I don't know, The Onion did a thing recently where they were talking about this, and it was one of those parody articles, and it's like, chess, chess master sick and tired of hearing how everything in life is, is a, is a uh, chess metaphor, yeah. like, or something <laughs> like that. It's just like, everything's a game of, just like, no, it's not. No. No, no. no. But it's a game that'll teach you stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a game. It's, it's extraordinary. It's a deep. I hate to say it because it's like selfing, right? It's like, it you know, makes you feel good about yourself, but it's a deep thinking game, like... To play it at the level that a grandmaster plays it, which I don't, oh. is like is like phenomenally, you know, the, the Gary Kasparov deep blue matches where he thought that they were cheating because the computer was beating him and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like these guys don't expect to lose, and and they yeah. play at such a high level, many many moves ahead that and they see the board, you know, so called seeing the board. And I was thinking about that. I was talking about it with someone before the other day about video game terminology, about how like we take things for granted, like the way we say like, oh, uh, I leveled up or I'm grinding, or yeah, they, like, and there's a whole chess vocabulary too that doesn't make any sense like yep. um you know well you're talking about controlling the center of the board but it's like what is a gambit and what is a discovery and what is like all these kinds of things pawn promotion and en passant. All, yeah en passant, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> which is a rule that like some people don't know and don't play with and like <laughs> i personally do so it's it's uh yeah so i i like i like the va- the vocabulary and the you know playing blitz at washington square park when i was a kid was like and losing over and over again for five dollars a game was like some of the most formidable like chess learning experiences i ever had in my life did you uh did you ever watch ken burns baseball yes i did yeah the 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 part where they just start listing the phrases in the american language that come from baseball and you're just like everything i say is a baseball metaphor and i didn't yeah you don't know it yeah yeah of course i watched ken burns baseball uh, that yeah that's true why did i even ask all 44 hours yeah did you did you watch extra endings uh, no, no, that was the, that was the that was the because ba- Ken Burns baseball Ken Burns baseball is from the nineties, right? And then he yeah, went back and did right. like another few hours. Yep. Um. Yeah. The last Ken Burns, I don't even know what the last Ken Burns thing. Oh, World War Two, probably though that weird one he did where it was like for, through the perspective of four the war. The yeah, war. the war where it was yeah. like for, through the perspective of like those four random people. Yeah, it was okay. I like that one. I, I liked it quite a bit. But Ken Burns for me, it's always going to be the Civil War. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Looks... What's that? What's that? Um, Shelby Foot. The, the southern super southern historian that's in that oh yeah the that one g- is always talking about yeah you got the, you got the beard. <laughs> that uh, guy was all i love when i was a kid i like an inspiring story i'm like that guy fucking rules it's like having foghorn leghorn yeah. teach you about <laughs> the civil war it's that just guy great. was that guy was all i love shelby but i'll always remember his name oh like, my gosh that's amazing <laughs> there are a grand total of three people still watching this. whatever we've gone <laughs> chess and civil war so far no it's so good ken burns of civil war is ridiculous you don't have to care anything about baseball or anything about the civil war to watch these they're, they're both that engaging yeah i agree suck you in it reminds me of the way i feel about 30 for 30 when when you know i'm a huge sports fan and you're a sports fan too but when when i'm like do I ask people, like, do you watch 30 for 30? And they're like, oh, I'm not a sports fan. And I'm like, you don't know what they're like, you're crazy. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, the stories yeah. that they told, out of literally 130 for 30s, there's like one 30 for 30. I'm like, I can't watch this. And it was about Jackie Joyner Kersey. That was the fucking most boring thing I ever heard in my life. <laughs> everything, everything else was was awesome. And I just watched Believe Land about Cleveland, which was amazing about how, like, the, the pain that that city went through oh, since the Indians I haven't, won. I haven't watched this one. <laughs> it's awesome. It just yeah. came out. It's about the Browns fan base and the Cleveland Indians fan base and the uh, Cavs fan base, and it was like, really, really good. So anyway, yeah. I like sports because it's stories. That's yeah, that's where I like stories. Me. That's yeah, the whole that's... thing I like. That's why I like history. Well, welcome to Pocket like that Full of Soup, the storytelling podcast, yeah. where uh, yeah, where we tell stories. That's really what this is ultimately about. And I'd like, if you don't mind, for you to share a story with us tonight. So I'm going to ask you that same first question that I always ask until I decide to change it. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about somebody you're thankful for. Um, you know, I went over this in my head, and I remember when you originally told me this, I was like, well, I was going to default to one of my parents. And then I was like, well, I am thankful for my parents. Yeah. But I feel like the audience, or at least the people, there's probably people that are watching this have no idea who I am, but the people that do know, I think 
it for my immediate family that the three people that I talk about most are, are my mom and my dad and my brother. Um, my brother is the reason I got into video games and I'm into nerdy things and he animates the kind of funny animated series. He's a professional animator. He's the lead animator at Sesame Workshop and um, he was super inspirational to me. And my dad, I, I got my work ethic and my like my republicanism and all sorts of things from my dad, uh, who's a firefighter, retired firefighter in New York City. And my mom's a scholar, and so I got like my scholarly kind of bent, I think, from her, like my love of that kind of stuff. But in a way, but then I realized when I was thinking about this more deeply, well, like there's two other people in my family, in my immediate family, my sisters, and I don't talk about them. I love them very deeply and very dearly. Um, and I was, I figured that maybe if we do this episode again, I'll, I'll, I'll go on about my sister Allie, but I figured, um, my sister Dana would be a, a really, uh, good person to talk about because I'm very thankful for her. And I feel like she and I have had, as the years have gone on our ups and downs, but she is incredibly influential and maybe hmm. the single most, really when it comes down to it, the single most influential person in my life, maybe not so much anymore because we're so distant geographically from each other but certainly when i was a kid she stepped in at a time in my life where the music that i lo- like the reason i love music the reason i love writing and reading the reason that i do all these things is because of her really and, and yes and and uh, categorically and so um i don't i feel like i'm always giving her short shrift in a way where i'm like she doesn't come up you know like because we don't we we because i feel so uh distant from her geographically and we've we've grown you know, apart as we've gotten older in a way, but like, I still love her. I still feel like we have the same relationship we ever did. It's just when's the last time you saw her? Um, God, uh, last so like a year and a half ago. I think it was in April of 2015 mm-hmm. is the last time I saw her. It was right before uh, I went home to Long Island for a week before I went to Iceland. Okay, and uh, my that was the last time I saw all my siblings. It was the last time I saw everyone but my parents. So I've seen my parents more recently than that. But my my sisters, my brother, that was the last time I saw them. Uh, it was a year and a half ago. We were on. Long Island together. What did you and her talk about? Uh, then we just talked. She has a family and she's a teacher. Um, so we were talking about, you know, those kinds of things and music and this and that. But, you know, she's got three boys and it's a handful and mm-hmm. uh, they're good. They're really good kids. But um, so did she so, talk about her kids? Or did she talk about yeah, she did. But she's also tending to a lot of different things. Ah. And this guy's got to eat and this one's got to go do this. And, you know, so like I feel like he, she and I haven't had a very deep conversation in a long time. But well, let's um, think back to that then. Let me ask yep. you about this. When's the last time you talked to your sister when it was just the two of you having time to talk? Oh, man. Uh, probably a few years ago, I would say. I mean, I'm sure I, I can't remember the specific conversation, but she and I used to talk way more on the phone. We don't talk really at all anymore on the phone, but we used to talk um, often on the phone. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, you know, it's funny because like it's so funny that she's a probably a complete mystery to people that have known me for years and you know not know me literally but know me on the internet or know my stories and the tired shit I probably talk about is you that, guys you guys tell a lot of stories I'm kind of funny yeah we do and so like you double you and triple up and quadruple up sometimes over if you listen to everything I do I was thinking about it recently I'm like I talk I think in a microphone for between twelve and fourteen hours a week so mm-hmm. eventually I don't have anything else to fucking talk about <laughs> um, and yet you do apparently. I do. So I figure it out. You know, PS4 Pro is announced, and that gives me another five hours of fodder to make fun of it. Uh, but, you know, my relationship with her really started at a very embryonic state in my life. And I don't mean that literally. I mean, like, just she's, I'm the youngest of four, and she's, I think, nine years older than me. Okay. Maybe eight and a half. So much nine. older than you. Yeah. My brother is 11 years older than me. My other sister is mm-hmm. five and a half or six years older. So than by me, the so. time you really have memories of her that are that are solid, you're probably, she's probably like 13, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even a little, I mean, I really remember her in high school and college. And, okay. And um, she, my my mom, um, my mom and dad got divorced. My mom left when I was, um, it was 1992. I was, uh, so I was seven or eight. So you remember and, it pretty clearly? No, I mean that's the thing is I, I don't remember the moment. In fact, I had recently talked to my father about this for the first time. I, I had not the first time, but I mean the first time where I really got deep with him, where I'm like, I was so concerned about my own pain surrounding that event over the years that I never realized how much it hurt him. Mm-hmm. And I told I'm like where I'm like, oh my dad's, my dad and my mom who knew each other, you know, they're 65 now. They're friend, they're friendly now. I mean they're friends. They're, yeah, you know, it's a long time ago. But they had met each other when they were teenagers. They went to high school together. They got engaged right out of there and, and all this. And I mean, my dad went to the Air Force for a little while. My mom went to nursing school for a little while. And I think they reconvened. I don't know the exact story. But I never really came to the – I never really sat down and thought, I'm like, wow. Like, I've been in – I've lost what I thought was love. It wasn't really love anymore. But that was probably real love to them. They were together for a really long time. And that ro- probably really fucking hurt. And I was so – 
how he kept going on and stuff. So anyway, we, we, we had this conversation and um, it brought that up. But it also brought back memories of Dana because Dana at that time was my mom. And that's the, really? and that, yes, like 100%. And that's the, that's the, the, the long and the short of it is that, you know, Dana was a mom figure for me for a really long time and it almost never stopped. You know, like um, she took care of me and took me under her wing and like made sure I was okay to the point where I feel like I don't have a lot of memories of that time in my life in the early nineties on long Island, because it almost seemed like that was the way it was supposed to be. Like I, I, she did such a good job of shielding me from the realities of whatever was going on that it was, um, it was because of her that I think I persevered and survived. And she worked um, in high school at a library, Brookhaven, Brookhaven Free Library, which is, I'm from Brookhaven, Long Island, and um, it's like an old colonial house from, you know, the 1700s, and um, basically like that they just renovated and added on to, and it's a small, like, small town library, and she worked there, and I used to just go to work with her every day, and go through the stacks and read um, things that I probably wasn't supposed to be reading and watching videos. Of, <laughs> what were you reading? Like, just I, I don't know. Like, that's why I was reading history. That's when I was, re- you know, I was reading children's books and stuff, but that's when I got, you know, that's why I was reading like Brian Jocks and I was reading, um, you know, like things that were like a little old. That's when I got Lois Lowry and, and things that piqued my curiosity where I was like, I really like books and I like reading and, and everyone, every kid who grows up um, getting read to and all those kinds of things. But it was those experiences where she was like, here we are and I can't pay attention to you for the next four hours or whatever. And, um, my mom worked in a public library for years. I, it's the same thing. I would go to work with her and then I just hang out at the library for six hours, eight hours. And I, your, these stories are very familiar. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think, I think it's by, it's like, it's like osmosis. It's like, it's like you, you, I just absorbed that, atmosphere and that friendly atmosphere too because the people that they she worked with were all very nice women they're all women yeah um and um very understanding of the situation probably knew way more about it than i did and um i remember they had an apple II and later like a macintosh so like i would make time on that and that's oh. how i really that's how i really started to like play a lot of those games but i used to just also like write things and print things out and like because you know the dot matrix printers and she teach you to use it yeah, like and others did too. She knew how to turn. They all knew how to like turn it on, like boot yeah. up a disc. No one really knew how to use it. It's like <laughs> you kind of figured it out on your own. But I, I feel like you know those days were, are really. I remember those days, and they're and they're really special to me. In a time when everything's kind of like this vortex, and I don't really know what's going on around me, and I have like these very scattered memories of my mom leaving. Um, and uh, you know, I don't want to make it sound bad. Like my mom left my dad, but it's it's not like she left and I never saw her again. I, I, you know, my mom's a great mom. And she, mm-hmm. she brought me up too. It's just that she lived far away, and and you were and, there with your dad. Yeah, I was there with my your dad. sister was much older than you, and your sister filled a good portion of that role in your right. Life. And 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 Allie was closer. My other sister was closer in age to me, so I feel like she was going through her own shit. And like that's, I don't remember our interactions like that well from the, that era. It how, wasn't until later. How aware of, of this was Dana for you at about that age when you're really coming into your own she takes on the role of a maternal figure what about for Dana the other way around becoming kind of a surrogate mom to you for that period of time was she conscious of that I I don't know if she I think so the funny thing about that is and I think she would say the same thing my observation of it is that she was cognizant of it when she had her first son um, who my mom my own mom who's you know his grandmother and, and, and Dana, who's, who's his mom, swear up and down, like, that is, like, he's in some way an embodiment of me in some really? weird way where, like, he's very similar to me. He's very, he's athletic but intellectually curious. He's a good kid. He's, you know, he's kind of, like, good-natured. And I feel like I was all those things. I, I mean, I had my, my faults. I'm sure he does, too. I don't know what they are. Because I, don't, <laughs> I don't know him that well. Well, everyone has something that's, like, not, you know, but he's, like, a good kid. He's a, He studies hard. He's, you know, he's in, and he's started fifth grade. You know, he's smart. He's way smarter than he should be. And, and that doesn't surprise me knowing who his mom is, mm-hmm. but I feel like she became cognizant of that. And it was like a full circle kind of thing for her in a way when she had a kid and a boy and she has three boys. And it's like realizing like maybe for all she did for me and she did a lot for me when I was a kid that I did something for her too, by preparing her for that and that eventuality that she was going to have kids and that she would have boys and that she kind of maybe learned some things by raising me for a while, you know? And you know, my, my dad was a firefighter. It was like, he was never home, you know, like my, my dad would work, you know, three day shifts and he had other jobs too, you know, living on what we lived in. I've told this story before, but like we lived in a, I never really realized it cause it was so normal to me, but we lived in a massive house 
on Long Island on a big piece of land with an in-ground pool and, and a big lawn and mm-hmm. like two-car garage and all these kinds of things. And, and that came from like blood, sweat, and tears. That's the reason that my parents got divorced. You know, like um, was like the, the, my dad worked constantly. My dad, my dad like doesn't stop. He still doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and he did it cause he thought he didn't do anything wrong. It's just like, that's the, that's the way he thought, you know, that's what he did. You provide for your family. You're the man you provide for your family. And provision was his way of expressing care. I think so. You know? And so like, I always tell the story that I, I knew my dad. I love my dad when I was a kid, but like, I was always so happy when he get home. I remember he used to pick me up and lift me up in the kitchen. And I remember we had like this ceiling that was like, pop, like it was like, you know, like, I don't know if they do it anymore. The ceilings that were like they're rough ceilings or whatever. Like they're not smooth. Like yeah, the wall. Another one you're and talking I remember about. I always yeah. to touch him and he always let me like, and but I feel like I didn't really know him until after the divorce because that's what like started to ground him a little bit where it was like, I maybe need to like gain some control, like what, whatever's going on. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and so I feel like with Dana, she's special to me because like she instilled this love of all of these things in me. But I also feel like I learned a lot of lessons from her too. And I don't know that I necessarily can name them all, but I just know that like she and I are way too similar in too many ways from in good ways. And I think in bad ways that, you know, like we both have terrible tempers. We both like, um, do those kinds of things where I, I, I think that like I just kind of became her in some ways, you know, uh-huh. and and uh, and through that little process of being with her all the time and just being around her all the time, I, I, I realized that she and I developed or I developed naturally the very same things that she loves. She, she's an English teacher and she loves to read. She loves literature. She loves to write and, and do all those kinds of things. And that's like, is it a, is it a coincidence that that's what I do? Like it like. I just don't think so. You know, like what I, else? I, what else did she give you? Music was another big thing. Like, um, my family's very musical. Like, they're very into music, and my parents are too. And so, like, I grew up um, with the Moody Blues and Pink Floyd and the Beatles and all those kinds of things. But Dana was the one that really introduced me to like what was contemporary at that time. I love the Police because of Dana, one of my favorite hmm. bands. I love Bare Naked Ladies, old Bare Naked Ladies. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm glad I, you qualified that. <laughs> well, like Gordon and uh, Born on a Pirate Ship and Maybe You Should Drive. Like, these are great records. Long before anyone even gave a fuck about them. Um, Rage Against the Machine, uh, Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, like a lot of this stuff, um, came from her and from my brother and from my other sister as well. And, and I feel like that was instilled in me as well. Like, so I became very much my sibling's sibling. Where'd she, where'd she play it all? I'm sorry? Where did she play it all? Where did you learn the music? Was it in the car? Oh, was like a, a lot of it in, in the, like, you know, in her, in her room or whatever, or, she just um, invite you or the to start, music, she, or? she used to, yeah, we used to have it on. Like, I remember... Um, I remember very, like very vividly when I started like really getting into drums, um, this was later on, um, she was playing, my dad has like a beautiful stereo and mm-hmm. he always has like, and back in the day she was playing like Phil Collins, um, in the air tonight and that drum solo like that, 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 um, that like in the bridge that like very famous, very easy drum, drum, drum thing. But I remember yeah. her, I remember her being like, uh, li- listen, like this is so cool. Like you're, you know, you'll enjoy this. And, and, uh, I did. And it, it, those kinds of things happened over and over again. So like, it was very like, if we were cleaning or we were out at the pool or we were like, you know, driving with her friends or whatever, she included me, you know, like that's Mm -hmm. another thing is like, she really included me in her life. Like the people that I love her friends, like to this day, because the, like her old friends that they're still friends, you know, now because she always included me, she made me feel like I was like important or, Hmm. um, like I was wanted. You know, and uh, so I remember like going to the mall with her, going to the stores with her, going to New York City with her and her friends. I'm like way younger than them. And yeah. they were all cool with me, too. Maybe they didn't want me there, but they, they, they never they never they would go in the pool at night and I would hear them, you know, like when I was upstairs playing a video game or something. And I would go and it would be like 10 o'clock and I'd go and the, the lights would be on and they'd be hanging out. And I would go into the pool with them or like hang out like, you know, it was uh, it meant something to me. You know, those people, uh, Melody and Raina and Melissa, like the, hmm. they were they were like really important to me too you know and so so i just felt like she was you know she was she was interesting to me and and she i loved her you know i love her but like i as a kid i was like i really love this like this 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 woman who was like hmm. really making you know who made me feel like i was um like i was okay you know and i i didn't realize that until later and i i have a very vivid memory of that big house we sold it in 1997 and it was heartbreaking for everyone my dad was like devastated i think that there was a lot of ghosts in that place for my dad and uh, he built that house with his, you know designed that house with his own two hands and uh she and i went into the attic with a marker and behind where no one could possibly see it unless they really looked we wrote 
like a message and like and, and dated it and all that kind of stuff. And I I wonder like if it's still there. You and Dana wrote that yeah. together. And uh, <laughs> what was the message? It was just like we lived here and here's who we are and like these are the dates we lived here from and like you know basically treat this house with care. Whose and idea was that? I don't know. I think it was hers. And then I remember driving up to New Hampshire with her and my dad and her first teaching job was uh, at St. Thomas Aquinas. And, uh, which was a place I actually got into and ended up not going. I wanted to play hockey there, but I ended up moving back to Long Island. But I, I lived in New Hampshire for a little while. And uh, to back up, like, I lived in, you know, f- from f- from kindergarten to third grade, I lived on Long Island full time. And then for fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, I lived in Maine with my mom um, and went to school there and then went home for summers and vacations to Long Island. And then seventh grade, I moved to New Hampshire and went to private school and I lived with my mom and then went to, you know, Long Island, and at that time, my dad sold everything and moved to New Hampshire for a year, and then I lived with him and my mom, you know, in different times, and then we moved back to Long Island full-time in ninth grade, um, and uh, she she moved, she moved lived in New Hampshire that year. It was 1997, 1998. She worked at a Ford dealership. She went to, she went to SUNY Oswego in uh, New York, and then got, you know, graduated and was, like, waiting, like, was waiting to get her teaching job and did. Um, she lived in the same apartment complex that my mom lived in. And I used to, oh, wow. I used to um, go and visit her. Like we would watch, we had like our regiment of TV shows. We'd watch like uh, 90210 Melrose Place and like Party of Five and all that kind of stuff. We'd order Domino's <laughs> Pizza and like, and, and dick around and like, you know, laugh and, and do all those kinds of things. And So even after she left the house, <sighs> you still remained close. Yeah. And she would, she would, when she was on Oswego, she'd write me letters all the time. I have them all write me letters and cards and uh, I'd write her back. And um, I remember when I was in fourth grade in Maine, she came and visited me and like came to my classroom and like um, we like made Christmas ornaments or something together. I thought it was like so cool. Um, She was like my favorite person, you know, and uh, you know, I'm sad that we as adults, we had some strife and we like grew a little distant from each other. And um, I was going to ask you about that. You mentioned at the beginning ups and downs. What, what, did something drive a wedge between you? Yeah, I think that, you know, I don't even know really what it is anymore, like, in a, in a way. You know, like, I feel like, I feel like, I said before, like, she and I are so similar that I feel like it was inevitable that when, so, like, I'm like her protege in a way, you know, like, in, in a lot of ways. And, like, we're so similar. It's like, that's going to grate at some point, right? Like, we're not we're not totally and fully as compatible as we thought because I'm no longer a child. And I think that, <laughs> um, and I think that that was, you know, I, I, I remember saying that in the heat of the moment, like I'm not a fucking kid anymore. You know, like you don't have to talk to me like this, you know? And that, and that was, sounds like something a kid would say to their parent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like she, but she, but she never, you know, I had a lot of shame and I think maybe she did too, but I don't know about the way things went down with us. Um, and they were, they got, you know, I won't get into it, but it got more serious, you know, like, like we didn't talk for a long time at all, no, how not long? once for probably a couple of years, you it's know, a long time. yeah. And, uh, we eventually broke the ice and, and I, I think I emailed her and we, 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 we got back into a cadence or whatever. We, we, we communicate, which is nice. Was that uh, before or after you stopped talking on the phone? I'm just curious. That was, bef- that was, we stopped, I stopped talking on the phone to everyone. Everyone stopped talking on the phone except for like my parents. Like I didn't, you know, no one was calling each other anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just the nature of like iPhones and all, you know, it's like everyone texts and all that. And that's fine. You know, and she's busy and I'm busy and she's more busy than I am. She has a family. So you don't feel like that was part of any, any, no, I, I, I think, I think that, you know, in, by the time I, we, we always had a, a good relationship and I always, especially loved her. Um, I love her kids very much. And I, I, I loved her. I love her, her husband who I've known amazingly, I've known for 20 years, wow. you know, like, um, I met him in 1997, and uh, great man, good man, solid person, um, and I always had a lot of respect and esteem for them, and when I was in college, I would talk to her constantly, like all the time, and uh, I went and visited her, and she lives in, she's lived in Virginia forever, she used to live in North Carolina, she was so cool to me that um, she was broke, she was poor, you know, um, in like her mid-20s, she lived in North Carolina for a while, in Greensboro, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I she like flew me down to like just stay with her for a few weeks. Hmm. And uh I remember going to see like Blair Witch Project with her and she would like go to work and like I would just sit and watch the History Channel all day. Like we I would eat like chicken patties for dinner. We had, she had like no money we can go out to eat or anything like that and, and she brought me to Bare Naked she brought used to bring me to Bare Naked Ladies shows and and like treat me like I was one of again, treating me like I think it went a long way to just treat me like I'm an adult. Yeah. And she always taught me that you'll be treated kind of the way that you um, the way you deserve to be treated, you know, and, and I, I tried to carry myself like an adult, so she treated me like one. That's when she bring me into the city when I was, she was 20 and I was 9 or 10 or whatever, 11. Or when um, she would fly me down to hang out with her or she would come up and see me or I'd go to Virginia when I was in college to see her and hang out with her. And When was the last time you guys did this? Oh, God. I mean, we haven't had one-on-one time in, in many years. I, I, I would imagine we had no, we've had no long one-on-one time since long before our first son was born. Do you do you think that's that's the cause? The fact that having, I mean, you were kind of a surrogate son for a long time, and now she has kids from her own family. Do you think that? that yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I think that like the thing that I've come to terms with Jared is like in my life is situations change. Yeah. I also accept that I left. You yeah. know, like everyone else in my family is there. You know, either on Long Island or in Virginia. Everyone's relocating to Virginia, which is mm-hmm. funny. as Everyone loves it there. My mom's there. My aunt and uncle are there. Both of my sisters are there. My brother's in Philadelphia. My dad's on Long Island. So everyone's like in that area. Yeah. And they see each other constantly. Um, I don't. I don't see anyone. And I think a lot of it, and I think I came to terms with this a while ago, is that I avoid my family sometimes because, not because I don't love them, because I'm, I'm like, I love my family. My parents are rock solid people. My siblings are great people. My, my nieces and nephews are fantastic. It's because it hurts. You know, like I... Yeah. I built this thing out here for myself over, I can't believe it. It's going to be 10 years and time has flown and I'm just, it's like independent George, you know, from Seinfeld. It's like, I'm, I'm, I am, (laughs) I am by myself out here and I'm independent Colin. And like, that's like our second Seinfeld in like three weeks. Yeah. He he was Seinfelding too the other day. It can get way worse than that. I love this. But it's, it's so, I but I've never forgotten. No matter no matter how things change, I've yeah. never forgotten very specific interactions I've had with my three siblings that have and especially with Dana that have that have helped shape me and the mistakes I've also made. But but the the adoration that I, I have for her that I will always have for her and, that, and how thankful I am for her. So so she's you know, she doesn't come up very often because there's no reason for her to because we're not talking about on kind of funny, we're not talking about music or we're not talking about literature we're not talking about family and, and necessarily or or things like that but she was so if you love me now if you if you care for what i write and what i do or whatever like you have her to thank you know like mm. it's it's it didn't have to end up this way she made a very disastrous situation you know i've often said that i was robbed in my childhood and i really feel that way and i don't say that from a, a place of anger i say that from a place of absolute reality you mm. know like does anyone remember what it was, you know, if you have a, if you have a nuclear family of six people and, uh, then do you remember having a Christmas with everyone? Cause I don't, do you remember like sitting down at a dinner table with everyone? Cause I don't, you know, like, and that happened, but I was five or six, you know, and that was totally robbed of me. I didn't do anything wrong. Like I was never one of those people where they're like, you know, when the divorce happens and you're like, it's not your fault. I'm like, I know it's not my fault. Yeah. But it doesn't, that doesn't mean I'm, I've known that forever. I'm not, I'm not stupid. It's just like doesn't mean you wish something hadn't been different. Yeah, it doesn't mean that I w- and so like out of everyone that could have made things feel okay, like Dagan was in college or going to college or it was basically gone. Allie was too young and Dana was in that 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 sweet spot where it was like I'm gonna take care of Colin and and she did, and <laughs> and uh, having kind of a father who was not disengaged but just because of the nature of what he did was just gone, and the stay at home mom that really helped to keep that that like glue together you know had you know had had to left. You know, and I don't bl- and I don't want to be clear. Like I don't, I love my mom. I don't blame my mom at all. She had to do what yeah. she had to do. She didn't do anything wrong. Like she ended at the end, she ended the marriage because she wasn't happy, and that's fine. But that had a material effect on me. And she and and so Dana, Dana, um, did her thing, and 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 I I respect and appreciate that. And I'll never forget it. No matter like no matter what happens, she and I are on good terms now. But even if we never talked ever again, you know, yeah. like I would always remember what she did, hmm. and I can name you a hundred different things that she did. I remember them. You know, I really do. I remember, and so, um, so she is who I am thankful for today. I mean, I, I, this is, you know. this is, I, I'm, I, 
I love hearing these tremendous stories from people I know. Sitting here at the mic, I, I don't usually know what somebody's going to say, and and you just learn another marvelous, um, marvelous dimension of of c- compassion uh, from here, Colin. I, I really appreciate. It. I have two more questions for you. Sure. Um, first, Dana largely raised you. What if you're ever a father? What that Dana gave you? Do you want to give your kid? I mean, I said it before, but like what she gave me was curiosity yeah. or at least, or at least maybe you're born with it, but I feel like she drew it out of me. Um, but also the amount of adoration and respect that I had for her meant that I was just interested in anything she want, like she did or like she'd be laying, eating cucumbers or something, you know, like sliced cucumbers with salt on the, on the living room for watching MTV music videos, and so I did too. Or she would be watching 90210, and so I would too. Or she... And is that what you want your kid to feel like towards I you? Feel like, I, I feel like that, yeah, I guess that's what I'm getting to, is like I feel like I had such a comfortable relationship with her. It was almost it was almost one of those relationships that I, I always imagined in my head. It's like the Gilmore Girls or something, where it's like they're, so, <laughs> they're closer in age than they, I mean, I was way closer in age, and Dana couldn't have had yeah. me. Uh, but I'm saying like where it's like, you know, I feel like you hear about some of that that more kindred kind of shit where it's like through the fires of something you are you are you are, you know, forged into this into this particular relationship with a person. And our situation might not have been necessarily unique. Fifty percent of American households are end up in divorce. I mean, that's just the way it is. So it's not unique at all, actually. But I, I feel like it was that level of camaraderie almost that that really did a great deal for me. She was patient. Yeah. And and caring and loving and selfless. And this was a 16-year-old girl. You know, mm. this wasn't That's exceptional. This was this wasn't this wasn't some fucking 20-something-year-old. This was a person that like didn't have to do anything. This is a person that like probably was interested in boys and wanted to go do other things and wanted to go out with her friends and go to the movies and she ran track and cross country and she played soccer and she was busy. She had a job. But you never felt like she was faking it. No, she, like she included me. I'd go yeah. to her soccer games. I'd go to the library yeah. with her. I would I was there with her like if we had a walk home from the library, we did. If we had a, like, if we, you know, you know, it, it's just those times are really precious to me because they masked, they masked a harsh reality that was going on around me. And when everyone asked me, like, well, what was that like? And I'm like, I don't know because I don't remember because it was totally hidden hmm. by one person, you know, and, and so... And I, I, I didn't realize until I was an adult, until I started putting the pieces together, that I'm like, this is why I don't remember. It's not because I was I was seven or eight. Like, you remember shit when you were seven years old. Like, So that's the kind of father you want to be? Yeah, so I want to be the kind of father that's like... the. I know you can't... They say you can't do it. And I don't know anything about parenting, but like a friend, <laughs> like a, a, a confidant, a... a a person that shares things with their kid and like mm-hmm. m- and helps mold them. And that's what I can see with her, with her, with her sons too. Like, they're really, and I'm not saying because they're my nephews, they're good fucking kids. Mm-hmm. They're smart and curious and athletic and like all the things that I was, you know? And, and I don't want to necessarily call myself smart, but I was curious and athletic and like, oh, and, and, smart, intellectual, and, and intellectual in the, in the sense that like you can see where that comes from. It only takes, it only, like you can tell, I hate to say it, but it's like when, when a parent goes hands on, you can kind of tell. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you have to be like a helicopter parent or anything like that. It just means like, you know, like, that's what I want to do. Is I, I want to be I want to be that for my kids. I want them. I want to make them feel okay. That's great. Yeah. Final final question for you then. Um, the house is still there, right? Yes. So, you ever gonna go grab Dana one afternoon when you're home and go see if it's still written up there? Maybe. I mean, uh, my dream has always been to buy it. Yeah. But um, God, it's worth probably a million dollars now. It's like. You know, unfathomable that I would ever be able to afford it, but well, you're, but, you're 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 lord of a successful enterprise. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I always wanted to buy it and give it to my dad, yeah. but the um, I'd like that. You know, I go back to that. Ha- I like when I drive by that house, it hurts a lot, and um, coincidentally, it's so weird. Like, um, I was at a wedding in Connecticut, you know, last year. A buddy of mine, one of my very best friends, Mike, was getting married. One of the guys that was there, I never met him before. 
they became friends recently. We were talking. He's like, I'm like, oh, I lived on that, sh- you know, the street. And he's like, you lived at what sh- what house? And I'm like, oh, this house. And he's like, oh, my one of my great friends lives there. I'm at that house all the time. And, no kidding. And, yeah, and I'm like, but it was funny because he was telling it like it was always oh, like funny coincidence, but for some reason it hurt. Hmm. And I was like, I need to get that house back. Like I, I'm like that that that's the I'm a very nostalgic person. It's not a huge surprise, right? But like. <laughs> Because I'm into history and all and old things, I love old things, all the old stories, and and I'm super nostalgic. And I'm like, I must get this place back. And and I have a memory of of um, I have my good friend, one of my best friends growing up, Tim, lived down the street. He, his family still lives there. Great great people. And um, right after I moved, I went and visited him, and uh, he knew the people that had moved in, so that we went into the house and looked around, and, and they were pulling. I remember they were ripping the wallpaper off the walls and doing all sorts of like ripping the carpets up, and I'm like. I don't want to see this anymore. And, and, um, and it had hurt. And then I went back to the house again. I didn't go into the house, but 10 years later, uh, when I was a senior in college, um, like at Thanksgiving break, I went to the house and he and, and me and his three brought him and his two brothers who I grew up with, just got drunk and, and fucked up and we're hanging out and, and, uh, just reminiscing uh-huh. on the back porch. And, uh, I was like, it was one of the great nights of my life. And I remember, getting up the next morning and like driving by the, the house where I've been going home back to my, where I live now and, and where my dad lives now, which is a great house too. And, uh, just feeling this, like this, this like welling of like, I just, there's something about this place that I can't let go of. I can't, I can't let go of that house. I can't let go of the memories there. And a lot of them, a lot of them have to do, and I don't know if my other siblings feel that way. I suspect they do, but a lot of them have to do with Dana and a lot of them have to do with uh, Dakin and Allie and, and, and friends and just that pool and that that front yard and that, that playing hockey in the driveway and I don't know. So she's kind of central to all of this, all of this, these feelings. You know? Colin, thank you for telling Dana's story. Yeah, I really, really appreciate it. I, I, uh, I, it means a lot to me. Um, that's extraordinary. Thank you for sharing it. We're going to do the part now where we, we have this kind of hard right turn. I like hard um, yeah, uh, we're, we're, this is uh, when we move into what we call instant noodles, um, which is a bunch of quick questions. Sure. Uh, sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're different. We also ask people on Patreon and Facebook to write in and send a few questions in, which we don't always do, but we do sometimes, and we did it for tonight. So, But before we do any of that, we need to thank our Patreon producers, uh, Xavier St. Alain Tremblay. And, oh, I know him. Yeah. Oh, you know Xavier? Well, I, I know that name. Yeah, yeah. yeah he supports yeah, us. Yeah, Xavier St. Alain Tremblay and uh, Robert Nieder. Uh, both of these guys who uh, generous support help makes the show possible. Also to you, our watchers, viewers, subscribers, listeners, uh, at all, etc. Thank to all. Thanks to all of you. Please uh, do subscribe if you don't mind, and send us messages at mail at pocketsfullsoup.com. That's mail at pocketsfullsoup.com, or you can send a thank you message for somebody who's been important in your life, or just other general correspondence. And uh, now let's take a look here at a couple of the posts from the Pockets Full of Soup Facebook group, which you can also join for free anytime you want just by looking for Pockets Full of Soup Facebook group. It's a great name. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fairly easy. Um, so the very first question I see here under here right now, and I do not know the context for this. What happened to the avocado? Oh, the avocados. Uh, this is a, a story that basically Greg... Uh, I had avocados here one day. I needed them for some reason. Greg obviously ate them, but he denies that he ever ate them. And so we don't know exactly whatever happened with them other than the fact that Greg clearly ate the avocados. Greg ate them? Yeah. Just by themselves? I mean, that's my conclusion, yeah. The skins and all? I don't know if he ate the skins. No evi- There's no physical evidence that the, the avocados ever even existed. <laughs> just said, so they could so, just yeah. get entirely consumed by Greg. Um, what got you into your passion for politics and what continues to drive that passion today? My father uh, was the reason I got into politics, but I, I feel like my dad was very instrumental in, in um, my, I listened to a lot of talk radio at a very young age, I guess is what I'm saying. And the, you know, like, and, and you know, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity. I mean, this is the stuff I listened to. It was a little less extreme back then. Yeah. Uh, it really was. I mean, people, I know people hear those names and cringe now, but I just, you know, Michael Savage, like, I feel like Michael Savage is always fucking crazy, but the, the, so my dad was the one that really got me in. My dad's a paleoconservative, like a Rockefeller conservative, um, very socially liberal, but very fiscally conservative. Yeah. And, and uh, that's the way we are on Long Island. Long Island's actually a very paleoconservative place. People don't know that. The strong, the Democratic stronghold is New York City. That's why we always vote Democrat. Upstate and Long Island are not Democratic necessarily per se. Maybe they become more blue recently. Um, so that was the reason why I remember uh, the Gulf War being the first thing that I really was like ever in in the time and place I, I connected with and I was interested in watching it on TV and yeah 
pouring over the newspaper. And so what keeps me connected to it now is just out of sheer curiosity. I love the machine. Um, I think it's fascinating. It's fucked up. Our government's inept and, and corrupt, but uh, it's fun to watch. Uh, and I feel like this election particularly is <laughs> a strange one. To, if to, nothing to, else, it's not dull. No, I mean, it's very, I think it's just, I think it's, Knowing history, I feel like American history the way I do, um, and you do too. I, I feel like there's a. There, I don't think it's it's melodramatic to say this is a this is an historic. People oh. will look back at this race um, the way they look back at, uh, me, like nineteen twelve. Um, yeah, this is know, this is maybe odd. even eighteen sixty. This like, is just, odd it's, and it's important. Yeah, um, I agree. I'm so, with you there. I, wherever you end up voting in this election, it's a weird one and a historically significant one for many reasons, some of which probably won't become clear to us for years afterwards. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see, see the now. outcome. And I think the the funny thing is, as with the time we're recording this, like, I just don't know what, like, I, I sense that Clinton will win, but I, I don't know. I don't, I feel like she's doing everything possible to lose. <laughs> this, the, 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 the pneumonia thing is like the next thing where I'm like, wow. Okay. You mentioned the Gulf War. Um, the Gulf War started on my birthday. That was weird. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was really strange. Um, uh, Ryan Murawski says, Ryan Murawski says, I want to thank my mom who is recovering from breast cancer for being the toughest fighter I'll ever know. Mm. Uh, that's just a, it's a serious thing, man. To, uh, breast cancer survivors and cancer survivors in general, very brave people gone through, you know, I watched Greg go through his shit and uh, it's, it's, you know, I watched my grandfather die of cancer. It's terrible, terrible fucking disease. I can't believe almost that that it exists. You no, know, like it's, in a, it's like it's like so this this horrible thing that came out of some Cthulhuan hole to like like plague humanity. It's so, yeah, it's it's so it's I mean, awful. I know it's a very base thing to say, but it's like so strange and weird. Yeah, in a way, awful. and we can't control it. We, have to, it we have to like almost destroy ourselves to kill it. Like, with radiation and chemo and stuff. It's yeah. like you're killing yourself to almost just to see if you can kill it more. It's like something Cronenberg would invent and put in a movie, except it's real and even more horrible. Yeah, yeah it really is. I agree. Corey Hicks says to you, thank you, Colin, for being a friend and helping me through or helping me get through my mother's passing last year, even though we've never met or spoken. You're welcome. That's terrible. It's a terrible thing. I, 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 I get so sad when I hear about the things our audience and our, our friends out there go through. I, I feel... Um, thankful that I'm able to be in their lives even in some sort of career. even if I put a smile on their face even if I annoy them mm-hmm. you know like there's plenty of people out there that hate me and I respect that <laughs> and that's fine but even if I like give them pause or, or occupy their mind in some way um, occupy that real estate in a way that gets their mind off of things even if even if they don't like me I think that's a pretty positive thing I, I, I try to keep that in the context when I when I sometimes get upset or wonder what I'm doing like I'm like well I'm at least touching people you know in a, in a very you know in a way that is very um beneficial for them sometimes and just like the way football gets my mind off of things or a good song you know, yeah it's like it's no different you know that's where you go with that uh sean clerkin says thank you colin uh hearing you talking kind of funny about anxiety made it easier for me to reach out for help myself i'm in a far better place now i'd like to thank you for your efforts to destigmatize mental health issues yeah i'm trying i mean like you know jared and i were talking a little bit about that before we started recording and I'm glad you reached out for help. I mean, I feel like my issues in some ways are getting worse, but like it's, uh, I feel like it's important to talk about it and be honest and open about it because I do feel like there's a stigma even in 2016 about it. And I want yeah. people to know out there, and I'll reiterate it over and over again that, you know, depression isn't good, but it's normal in terms of like it's not an uncommon thing that to have. It's um, social anxiety or panic attacks and stuff. These things really do happen and you're not you're not a bad person and you didn't do anything wrong and you didn't deserve it. And then you can, and you can fix it. And, and I feel like it's not openly talked about in a lot, like even in our sphere in no. gaming, it's like, so I want to be like, you know, yeah, I have fucking crazy anxiety. I have, I am depressed. Like that's, that's, there's, there's a lot of room for openness and there's a lot of stigmatization. They, they yeah. both exist. I, 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 <laughs> I suffer from, from serious mental health issues and, and have gotten help for it for many years. And, I've seen incredible support and I've seen situations where you just didn't even know where to turn and they, they exist side by side in this weird kind of reality. I, I'm with you there. Yeah. I just want people to know, like, I guess, you know, a lot of people look up to me for some reason. And so I want, I want people to, you know, you know, someone gets out of bed and is like, well, I'm, I'm depressed or, you know, I, and I'm like, well, Hey, this guy you listen to online is just like you. It's not, my life isn't all, you know, 
fucking flowers and blue skies. It's not, you know, like it should be maybe sometimes where it's when it's not. But I, I just want people to know that it gets better and, and, it, and you're not alone. So I'm glad that that resonates with you. And I was so surprised when I did that game over Greggy's show about anxiety, like how much that resonated with people. Like it was incredible. I, I've gotten a bajillion fucking emails and, and private mm. messages and stuff about that. And I'm really happy about that because I really wasn't, um, that wasn't even my topic. That was someone else's topic. And I, 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 I'm so glad that we were able to talk about it. That's... Timothy Wisenhunt says, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, I have celiac, is that correct? Yeah, celiac, yeah. Uh, an immune disorder that causes your body to be unable to break down gluten, and instead attacks it in the area surrounding the gluten. Colin went through a time when he was told he had celiac, mm-hmm. but didn't. When my wife and I met him at Beyond 300, he was still under that impression. I want to know what the first few things he ate and drank were once he found out that he didn't have it, and how he felt. A cheeseburger was the first thing I ate when I found out I didn't have it. Although it wasn't that the, – the ironic thing is that by the time I found out that I didn't have it, I hadn't even eaten gluten in like two weeks, which was like the longest I'd ever gone. I had no discipline. Like the the thing about that my, my celiac thing was that like I was positive that I didn't have it. I, I remember arguing with the doctors. I'm like, what you're saying doesn't make any fucking sense. I remember like getting really angry at them and like they're like, well, you have it. And, this, and, and, I'm, and I'm like, but – but celiac disease has like failure to thrive and all these. Kind of, I'm like six feet tall. I'm overweight. <laughs> you know, like I grew up in an Italian household eating pizza and pasta every fucking day, and I and sandwiches and heroes and and I'm like, what you're saying just doesn't make sense. You know, and they're like, but you have it. I'm like, but you're wrong. You're fucking wrong. <laughs> and for and for two years, I just went through and I eventually accepted. It. I'm like, maybe they're right. And then and then and then I got a an endoscopy and they went, you know, that which is the gold standard. And they and they came out. I remember saying to the doctor when I was going under, I'm like, I hope you don't find anything. And I was like kind of passing out. I remember him being like, don't count on it. And then I woke up or whatever. And they're like, there is no evidence that you have celiac disease. Like huh. the villi in your stomach are fine. Like there's no, there's literally no evidence you don't have celiac disease. And I was like, I fucking told you guys. <laughs> like I, I well, it's it, like, it's, it's like something, you know, pre, well, pre the rise of, you know, the Napoleonic uh, Wars changed everything about the way we did medicine. And before that period of time, Really, doctors just asked you what was wrong with you, you know, if you got a doctor. Um, uh, now doctors tell you what's wrong with you. And most of the time, 99.9% of the time, that's correct. But every now and then, you can tell them something they're just not going to be able to figure yeah, out. Yeah, the, 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 the blood, I guess, indicated that I did, but you could spike it by eating lots of gluten. And, and, yeah. and I was like, but I eat, like, you know, an entire pizza, like, every day. Like, yeah. You know, so... Um, mm, so, so gluten. yeah, like I, I just, I, so I had terrible discipline. The one, the one, so I remember when I got it, when I found out I had celiac disease in quotes, which I didn't, I was at E3 and I started hysterically crying in the war room. I'll never forget that. The, the, uh, and Scott Bromley like hugged me. I remember it was oh. like, cause he's my roommate at the time. And, uh, and, but the, um, the, the one benefit of it was that when I could, thought I couldn't drink beer anymore is when I started drinking bourbon. And so, so something, so something positive came out of it. Yeah, because bourbon. bourbon's one good. Of my great, one of my great loves. So. Bourbon's good stuff. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Bourbon. Beer is. I like beer, but beer is they got nothing on bourbon. Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, Francis Bacon's acorns were sufficient till man made bread. Uh, so also, uh, beer was sufficient till man made bread. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. I think that's mm. all right. Instant noodles, lightning round. Okay. Here we go. What is best sandwich? Uh, chicken parm. Ooh, chicken parmy. Mm-mm-mm. All right, chicken parmy. Uh, what's the best song written in the last 100 years? God, I was just talking about this with someone. Uh, <laughs> this is a funny answer. It's not really. It would be my, my answer would be different on any given day. But I was talking about how "Drops of Jupiter" by Train is probably one of the most perfect songs ever written from a from an aesthetic like you must listen to every literal second and a literal aspect of the song from the strings to the guitar to the lyrics to the to the you know. The construction of the song is like that wouldn't necessarily be my answer, but I was literally just talking about why I think that's a perfect song. I can't figure out how the same group that wrote "Your Hair Is Everywhere" screaming and fidelity also wrote "Drops of Jupiter." Like, oh no, I, no, I, different. I, that's I, a different band. Was that a different train? Uh, your hair. Uh, no, no. Uh, that your hair is everywhere screaming and fidelities. That's written by uh, Dashboard Confessional. I th- I thought that was train. No. Okay, well, never mind. I'm just showing my ignorance. Well, anyway, "Drops of Jupiter" is beautiful. I, okay, great. No argument for me. Um, what's the first word you think of when you hear the sound of your own voice? Uh, annoying. Uh, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Vanilla. Uh, really? Yeah. Your first vanilla, I think. I think it's the only flavor of ice cream I even like. If you could travel through time and meet any one person, who would you visit? Um, Jesus Christ, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I know I'm not. I'm an atheist. Yeah. But like, I I just want to know what the hell is going on. You like to have a talk with him? Yeah. Find out what's up. Yeah. I think yeah. that like, if I could bring that information back to the future, I think that'd be very useful for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> what if he's just like, I'm the son of God. 
You, if I can spend a few, <laughs> like if, if I can if I can get with him like during a miracle, like um, yeah, the, the the fishing net or like you know like something like that where it's like and I see it with my own two eyes. Yeah, I think that'd be very useful information. for That would be know. really interesting. Yeah. That would be I, I I mean that that's that's that one's going to be up there for me too. But there is this part this Andrew Lloyd Webberish inside me that just wants to be you know. Who are you? What did you sacrifice? Do you think you're who they say you are? That kind of, you know, that it's it's. If it's, I can get an hour with him, I'd be, and he can speak English, I'd be, to, or I can speak, you know, Aramaic, or whatever. That could be probably, yeah, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be, I'd be totally smitten with that. Like he definitely existed. So I just want to, like historically, yeah. Josephus writes about him. Everyone, so it's like I know he existed. So I just want to. Who that, is this guy? Yeah, yeah. like I, yeah. I'm just totally curious. It's so funny that that would be my answer because I want to do it for everybody. No, I think that's a good one. I, I think it's since a great he's probably one. the most important person that ever lived. When you really think about it. Who's the or what is the most terrifying creature in the natural world? Oh God, some sort of spider, probably. Yeah, we, that's a popular answer. I think for Halloween, instead of pockets full of soup, we're gonna do pockets full of spiders. Oh my God, dude! We're just gonna take I the guests and fill their pockets with live spiders <clears throat> from a jar. And... I can't with fucking spiders. Yeah, I don't like them. Terrifying. Oh no, you, you're terrified of them. Um, actually, I, I, you know what? I'm not gonna say his name because somebody might say I have a friend that's truly just mollified. Um, I'm scared to death of him. Uh, what's your favorite word? Oh God. Uh, what's some word that I always use, like myriad or something? Myriad's a great one. Minutia. I thought I thought it might be the zeitgeist. Zeitgeist, uh, is but but myriad. Uh, salient. Got to you know. Again, you talk for fourteen hours a week out there, and you yeah. We'll see how good your fucking vocabulary. Didn't is. the super salient? Those are the guys with the big hair, right? <clears throat> I don't yeah. know. Okay, All I right. don't know. Uh, I can't answer that for you. Who was your first kiss? Uh. I guess like real kiss was probably like this girl Melissa I went to middle school with. How was it? I don't remember. I remember like we went out for a few yeah. months. You went out, but you don't remember the first kiss? I, mean, I remember it. I, I don't remember like what it was like. I remember being really nervous. Can't have been that good then. I'm no, no, no. I mean like right, I, you right. know, no, but that was like probably the first like real kiss. I I've had people that had like good first kisses. Like that's been one of the surprises about this question. I, I, asked I don't think I probably guess. had a real like like good kiss until high school, probably. Cake or pie? Uh, pie, but very specific. I don't. I don't. I'm not really a sweets guy, so I'm talking more like. But I like apple pie. Mm, I like a good apple pie. pie. Um, yeah, so I think I would probably defer to pie, but preferably neither. Yeah? Yeah. You know, I would go in maybe a donut. Mm, donuts are good. I like that one. Oh, that's a good answer. That's excellent. Uh, what's one question you have for me? How is it going? Like, how do you feel about this? Like, this is the one thing I'm, I'm curious about. Like, we've talked about it a little bit, but I'm curious. How do you feel about this show? Because I feel like it's resonating. It seems to be doing well. The, the Patreon's doing well. Mm -hmm. It's a good idea. Mm -hmm. um, so do you feel like I guess the uh, let me get it down to a baser question do you feel finally like you're capable of doing this because because you really were not believing in yourself when we were talking about I'm that. learning fast I still feel like it looks like a home movie one of my lights is dying in the middle of the show and it's the lighting has changed in mid episode <laughs> my lower thirds look like something that I could do in the third grade I'm constantly struggling to stay ahead of schedule, keep my head above water, find new guests, get this put together. I'm terrified people are going to suddenly stop liking it. But this audience has been ridiculously supportive. And the guests have been extraordinary. Just, just And everybody I've met has an amazing story. Just, just some. So, yeah, I kind of think this may work out. This is fun. I mean, it's working. And I am hearing stories from people that i know well that shock and move me which leads me to believe that for people who know you less well it's going to be even more impactful. i hope so i think it's a great idea for a show i like Thank it you. i think it's i think some of the simple you know i always call my fantasy football teams occam's razor for the simplest explanation tends to be the right one which yeah it's not necessarily occam's razor but that's like kind of the conclusion of it and uh so no science nerds out there get mad at me yeah. but uh i do believe that sometimes people overthink things or like draw these very complicated conclusions about what's good. And I think that what I liked about this show when you pitched it was it's about a person that's important to you and, a, and stories that, that resonate with you over that, around a person. I'm like, isn't that just the fucking simplest thing? You know, like, mm -hmm. and, and, and like, I love it. You know, oh, like, thank you. And I don't I, mean that as an insult. I, I mean, that's I'm like enjoying the highest it. compliment. I'm enjoying the, the correspondence with people. I write letters now for, for Patreon. I'm writing handwritten letters. I love it. I didn't realize I would enjoy it. I'm writing this pen pals most of whom i've never met but i'm writing handwritten letters several a month it's great yeah, it's i nice. keep getting me people are telling me stories i'm just like this is unreal and people are making my life better through this and i think i'm helping some of them too so i like that uh yeah maybe next yeah. time next time i'm on i'll uh i'll tell you some stories about my dad maybe we'll do him next uh -huh. 
What about yeah, uh, can we fun. can we start Occam's do- uh, Dollar Shave Club? Sure. Yes. Okay. All right. Occam's Dollar. I Shave like that. Club. Yeah. All right. That's... Or Occam could be like the uh, like the mascot. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but I'm proud of you, Jared, and I really am. Thank I am God. super happy about uh, the successes. I knew it was gonna be. Fun. You never. You never. Oh yeah. You, oh, I, I, Colin. I was terrified of this whole thing and scared <clears throat> to death that this would never work. Colin was just like, no, you're going to do great. It's going to be wonderful, and people are going to back you up, and you're going to get huge encouragement, and the Patreon's going to work, and you're going to build a community, and people are just going to come in and be one. And yeah, all that happened because he's, well, Colin was right. Yeah, you know? don't forget it. Trademark, kind of funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of kind of funny, so a lot of these people in the audience already know who you are. For those who don't, where can they find you? Because you're an interesting dude. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm, I tweet a lot uh, about, I rarely tweet about games. Uh, no taxation. I tweet this time of year a lot about football, politics, and, and hockey eventually. Um, so you can find me there. Uh, more serious stuff goes on. You can follow me on Facebook. Um, or I, I like tweet essays or something every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I'm on Instagram and stuff like that. And you can find all my stuff at kindoffunny.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on YouTube. We do podcasts and things of this nature. But Four, sometimes five friends. Four, sometimes five best friends gather around. Used to gather around this table, actually, this very table. This very table. Um, right but, uh, yeah, so, you know, I appreciate everyone out there and, and for supporting us. And we really do, you know, over at Kind of Funny and, and me as an individual, like you guys allowed us to do some pretty cool shit and we really respect and appreciate you. And if you've never heard of us or you, you want to check it out, please do and let me know what you think. You can always reach out to me and and uh, happy to hear from you. So uh, thank you. I hope you enjoyed those stories as well about my sister. I have not opened up about her pretty much ever really to the audience. So Colin is always working to play me up um, in kind ways. Um, but yeah, now I've got him captive for just a second on my thing and he can't edit it out. Uh, Colin has been one of the truest friends I've ever had. Nobody has ever gone farther to do more for me in my life. Um, and I uh, owe this guy a lot. He's good people. So uh, uh, anyway, I well, know you're very kind. You deserve all the good things that come to you. You're one of the good people. Yeah, but so do you, and you don't know that. That's uh, that's uh, the part that's uh, you know. Well, I appreciate that. Maybe <laughs> so, I'll learn one day. Bless all y'all. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Um, you wanna you know you know the spiel, and you can always find us on Patreon.com/slash Jared Petty if you'd like to support the show financially. That means a ton. Um, your subscriptions matter as do your reviews on iTunes, etc. Uh, and so for that matter to all the wonderful kind notes that you write to each other or that you've written to me and my family. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll see you next time.